Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Romans 16, verse 13. Greet Rufus. Now, if you're old school, that may think, make you think of a band whose lead singer was a girl named Shaka Khan, right? Bring me your higher love. Ooh. I've got other songs I could sing by Shaka Khan as well. As I feel like singing them. Right. Spirit, the spirit of singing is coming on me. Greet Rufus. That's not the band. It's a guy. Chosen in the Lord. Russell told me I should title my sermon, Greet Rufus. But that's not the title. But that's a good, good title. I bet we get some hits on the podcast, right? Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church at Rome. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. We're going to take a, a, a journey through some scriptures, find some clues, and piece together what to me is quite an amazing story. And I would like to entitle this message, not greet Rufus, but I would like to entitle it, The Power of a Mother. The Power of a Mother. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness, God. And I pray, God, that you would anoint me to speak, anoint us to hear, speak truth to our hearts in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In the first 15 verses of Romans 16, out of the 26 people that Paul singles out for a personal greeting, six of them are women. From these verses, we get insight into the diversity of the early church and the significant role that women played. And we see from these verses that Paul could not have addressed the leaders, the influencers, the movers and shakers of the church at Rome without mentioning women. And I might add, that's the same way it is here at Life Point. Can I get an amen? We've got some awesome women at Life Point Church. And that said sounds kind of weird, right? Like, uh, you know, I got to stop this, but I'm on this train of thought. Like, when I say we have these women, like the women are not really part of LifePoint unless I sanction them, right? LifePoint is filled with men and women that are making a difference in this world. I love that, the diversity here at LifePoint in many other ways as well. Now, In our reading, Paul greets Rufus and his mother and then says, she's been like a mother to me. So it begs to to question, right? Who is this Rufus? Who is his mother? What about his father? How is this woman like a mother to Paul? Well, to answer these questions, let's start by going back to Mark 15 and 21, Mark 15, 21, it says this, Then they compelled a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus. 
as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. That's the cross of Christ. So let's unpack this. Let's look deeper into this. Some of you know that this story is the basis for the fifth station of the the cross. There are 14 stations. This is the fifth station. And, and, And it's about Simon the Cyrene. He's from Cyrene in northern Africa. It's on the Mediterranean. It's, it's, it's in the eastern part of modern Libya. It's near Benghazi. It's a good ways north of the Sahara Desert. And it's over 800 miles from Jerusalem. And in the 4th century BCE, during the reign of Ptolemy Soter, over 100,000 Jews were forced to move into this region. They were the ancestors of Simon from Cyrene. He he was a Jew. His name, Simon, or from the Hebrew, uh, Shimon, Shimon, it it means hearer. It's it's like the first word of the Shema. Uh, Shema Israel, Adonai, Elohinu, Adonai, Achad. It's it's, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. His name, Simon, is, is significant there, and he's not the only Simon that we're going to see in this story. We'll see that in a few minutes. So there were three pilgrimage feasts where Jews from all over would, would come to Jerusalem to celebrate in the temple uh, these feasts, and, and Passover was one of these three pilgrimage feasts. So in 33 A.D., Simon made the journey of over 800 miles on foot, on a beast, on a ship, to Jerusalem. He made the journey to Jerusalem to be in the temple on Passover. And it just so happened that on this particular Passover in Jerusalem, right in front of Simon, an entourage surrounded by all kinds of chaos and noise made its way down a street in central Jerusalem, the Via Dolorosa, and right in the middle of the tumult was a man beaten and bloody, who was trying to carry a cross to his own crucifixion. Now, typically, an entire cross weighed around 300 pounds. But the Romans would leave the vertical part of the cross called the stipe permanently planted in the ground, and and they would make the condemned carry only the crossbar, or technically it's called the the, uh, patibulum, the patibulum, and it weighed about 100 pounds. So here's Jesus struggling to carry the patibulum. He's weak. He's been beaten badly. And and the Romans did not want him to die before he got to the stipe because it it would be counterproductive. It it was more dramatic and effective if the condemned died while on that stipe on the cross because it was usually planted at the intersection of major roads and served as a deterrent to crime and insurrection. But Jesus had lost so much blood already through the beating and the crown of thorns. He was already dying. And so a Roman soldier ordered someone from the gathering crowd to help this man get the cross and Jesus to the stipe. It was Simon from Cyrene, the father of Rufus. Now Mark, the guy who wrote the book of Mark, knew Rufus. The 12 knew him. He refers to him by name. So did the early church. Mark followed another guy around who had that name, Simon. Simon Peter. Simon Peter. 
He was a follower of Simon Peter and the rest of the apostles. He was so identified with following the apostles around that some historians called him an apostolic man. Mark traveled with Paul as well. Now, he came along after the 12, but he knew the 12, and, and, and Mark was with him on missionary journeys. So Rufus, Rufus' dad and his mom were personally known, well-known by the 12, by Paul, by Mark. They were known in the early church. So I want to try to piece this story together and present it to you. Simon, the Cyrenian's life, I believe, was forever changed the day that he carried that cross for Jesus in 33 AD. He was a Jew looking for his Messiah who would be a king on a throne. And instead, he finds a suffering servant struggling and he's called upon in this moment of destiny to carry that cross for Jesus. It looks as if Simon stayed in Jerusalem for the next 50 days. And I'll give you some some reasons why I believe that. Because in 50 days would be another pilgrimage feast. It would be the Feast of Pentecost. And, And the case can be made that Simon was there in Jerusalem on that day as well. Now, we can see from Acts chapter 2 some clues. You know some of these verses possibly. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, listen, from every nation under heaven. They were pilgrims. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused. Everyone heard them speak in his own language or dialect. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, all these Galileans, they're speaking our language from the land where we were born. They're speaking in our dialect, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, listen, and the parts of Libya adjoining where? Cyrene. Cyrene. Look at verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed and said to one another, what could this mean? Others mocked and said, they're, they're drunk. They're full of new wine. And then Peter preaches this awesome message about Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people were saved that day. Could it be that Simon was in that group? If not, then perhaps he was part of this group, verses 46 and 47. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. So the pilgrims stayed over. Many were saved. And then many stayed over. And many more were saved. Later on, we see Cyrenians as movers and shakers in the church. Look at Acts 11, verses 19 through 21. Are you with me? Oh, this is good. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, 
preaching the word to no one but the Jews only, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch spoke to the Greek-speaking people, preaching that this Jesus and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. These were Cyrenians. Maybe he was involved in that campaign. There's some more mention, Acts 13, 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. So here is a prophet and a teacher named Lucius of Cyrene. Simon may have gone back to his native land, back to Cyrene after Pentecost. He may have stayed in Jerusalem. He may have gone on some of these excursions. We really don't know. Either way, though, we do know he married a woman who became the mother of his sons, one who had the name Rufus. Everybody say Rufus. Simon is never mentioned again. It's very likely that he died, maybe under persecution. He certainly would have been a high-priority target. He was the man who carried the cross of Jesus. Certainly there was notoriety that went along with that. But a boy named Rufus is mentioned again, and so is the mother of Rufus. And that's the context in which she is mentioned. Not just a woman, but a mother. She's called the mother of Rufus. And Paul adds, my mother. She's like a mother to me as well. Here's what I want to preach to you about. Never underestimate the power of a mother. And and let me go ahead and qualify this. This is not taking away from a father's role. I'll deal with you fathers in a few weeks. It's coming. Fasten your seatbelt. Get ready for that. And and it's also, if you had a mother who didn't live up to what I'm talking about and had troubles and struggles and all that, it it doesn't negate what I'm about to share with you today. We're going to start right here, right now, right where we are. The power of a mother is flat out amazing to me. And I want to share with you some ways that Mothers are so powerful. Number one, a godly mother, a godly mother never, ever quits. She never, ever quits. Here's the deal with this woman. Her husband is gone. He's not mentioned in the text. But she still went on. She didn't quit when her circumstances took a turn for the worse. When the season shifted. And the sun went down and it got dark. She didn't walk away. She didn't grovel. She didn't get stuck in self-pity. She didn't back off. She didn't back down because godly mothers never quit. Never quit. Rufus is the only kid mentioned. Maybe her other children had passed or maybe they had their struggles and and maybe some of them had walked away from the faith. Maybe they were backslidden, prodigals or whatnot. But mama never quit because godly mothers never quit. Let me just say this. Mama, if your husband has quit, if your kids aren't around anymore, I want to encourage you. You keep running this race. You hear what I'm saying? You keep running. the. Even if you're limping, even if you're struggling, even with tears running down your eyes, you keep running this race. There is a Rufus, hear me, that's watching you, and you're teaching that kid how to persevere in difficult times. Godly mothers, they just, they just never quit. Now, now, here's a story 
in, in 2 Samuel 3, it's, it's, it's a gruesome story. I don't want to dive too deeply into it, but it's powerful. There's a story of Rizpah. She was a wreck. She was a train wreck. She was a concubine of King Saul and had two sons with him. And later on, when David ascended to the throne, uh, when he got in power, these two guys led an insurrection and caused the death of many people. And so David had them placed on a public gallows, and, and they, were, they were executed. And, and Rizpah, it's a, it's a grisly story, y'all, but Rizpah, she went down to the gallows, and, and in the daytime, she drove away the, the vultures from her sons, and at night, she, she shooed off the jackals and kept them away from, from the bodies of her sons. David heard about this mother's love, and he was moved with compassion, and he went and gave those kids a decent burial. The idea is this, though. Here was a mother. She was broken. She had all kind of issues, but she just wouldn't quit. I want to encourage some moms today. Just don't quit, no matter where your family may be. Just keep the faith. Keep cracking on, man, because godly mothers, they never They just never quit. They just never. There are people in this room today. You're here today because your mama or your grandmama just didn't quit. You're here today because they prayed you into this place. They believed you into this place. They loved you into this place. Oh, we need some godly mothers in this house today. Rudyard Kipling wrote, If I were hanged on the highest hill, I know whose love would follow me still. Mother of mine. Mother of mine, if I were drowned in the deepest sea, I know whose tears would come down to me. Mother of mine, mother of mine, if I were damned by body and soul, I know whose prayers would make me whole. Mother of mine, mother of mine. I want to encourage you today. Maybe the enemy's gotten into your kids' minds and messed with their spirits. Listen, I know a God who knows how to reach from the uttermost to the guttermost. I know a God who knows how to move every mountain. I know a God who knows how to make a way out of no way. You just keep the faith and you never quit. Godly mothers never quit. As, as pastor here at LifePoint, I am amazed at mothers who get up Sunday morning after Sunday morning and go to church without their husband. That They get up, they fix breakfast, they get their little Rufus ready for church. They get in their car, they show up to the house of God with the people of God on the Lord's Day. I am amazed at mothers who get home from work late on a Wednesday evening, make a quick dinner, do some homework with their little Rufus, and then say, you freshen up, get in the car, we're going to church. I'm amazed at mothers who do that. I'm amazed at mothers who will tithe of of their paycheck when, when their husband Won't give anything. Let me just say this. Mama, you are more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Your influence is being felt far and wide. The devil lies to you and says nobody cares, nobody's watching you. But I want to tell you, you are more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Godly mothers never quit. And those mothers are powerful. You hear what I'm saying? Powerful. And in our story with Simon... Gone. This woman still went on. When her other kids are not even mentioned, she still goes on. It's the power of a godly mother. 
Now, Rufus was well-known and respected in the church. But I'm here to tell you that was no accident. There was an intentionality there. Little Rufus had a faithful mother who showed him how to not quit. Second point here is that godly mothers invest in and inspire their kids. They invest in and inspire their kids. Rufus' mama invested in and inspired him. She she didn't drift off, do her own thing, neglect her boy. When she was facing loss, when she was facing uncertainty, doubts and fears, she didn't shut down, she doubled down. Through the tough times, the dry season, the dark night of the soul, she wasn't too self-absorbed in her own worries. When, When nobody was investing in her, she was always finding a way to invest in Rufus. When nobody was inspiring her, she found a way to inspire Rufus. She, she would look at that boy and say, boy, God has a call on your life. God has a destiny for you, son. And let me tell you something else. You're not going to run with that crowd over there. They're not part of your future. That, that girl that's giving you those eyes and sending you those texts and Snapchatting with you, that girl is not in your future, son. You hear me? She's not part of what God's got in store for you. God's got more for you. God's got his hand on you. You're a world changer, son. She was investing in. She was inspiring him. She did the hard work of investing, the hard work of time, prayer, discipline, boundaries, the hard work of inspiring even when she didn't feel so inspired herself. Why? She wanted Rufus, more than anything, to fulfill his destiny. It's got to happen. I don't care what's happening in this family. I don't care where we are right now. I don't care how tough the times may be. God's got his hand on you. I'm never going to quit. I'm going to invest in you, boy. I'm going to inspire you. I'm going to make sure you are where you need to be. I'm, I'm going to make sure you're around the people you need to be around. That's not the only reason, though, that Rufus was in church. Notice, Paul said that this, this, this woman, Rufus' mom, was like a mom to him. What does that mean? She was like a mother to Paul. Well, Here's what I think that means. Third point, a mother, a godly mother honors the ministry that's in the church. Now, that sounds self-serving, you know, coming from me as the pastor, but it's really not. If you want your kids to be in church, teach them to honor the ministry and the leadership that is in the local church. And folks, that's more than just going to church. Because you can go to church and, and then leave church and run everybody down and talk about how awful the preacher is and the teachers are and the leadership is and all that stuff. Why would Rufus ever listen to Paul if all he ever heard was his mama running Paul down? Now let me say this. I know our faith is not in a man. Trust me if anybody knows that. I know that. Our faith is not in a man or a woman. But Paul said in Ephesians, the ministry is a gift from God to the church and through their influence the church is equipped for the work of the ministry. 
Leadership has a role to play. And if you want effective world-changing Christian kids, teach them to listen to the ministry, to honor the ministry that's in the local church. Come on now. Amen. Years ago, Valerie and I, we, we, we were itinerant preachers. We were evangelists. We traveled all over the world, man, just preaching the gospel. It was, we thought we were like, you know, just changing the world. And I guess we were in our own little way in different places and obscure places. And one of those obscure places we ended up ministering was in New Mexico. And uh, we were in this church in New Mexico, and we were young and green and fresh in church. And we didn't know what we were doing half the time, man. We were just trying to follow this call of God on our lives. And we end up at this church, this little church, uh, like somewhere in the desert of New Mexico. I know the town, but I hate to mention it because y'all might have family there or something like that. I just don't know, you know. You never know. It's a small world nowadays. And so so we're in New Mexico, and, and uh, I should have known it was going to be a challenge when we were set up for a revival. We had revivals back in the day. And we were scheduled for a week of revival in New Mexico. And uh, We didn't have cell phones back then, Josh. I'm, I'm an antique, right? And so I, I called the guy, and the guy's like, I said, hey, man, this is Donovan. We're going to be we're coming next week, or we're on our way. We'll be there in a couple days. And the guy said, oh, yeah, that's right, I forgot. We, he said, we just, we're in a week of revival right now, but... Yeah, you just go ahead and come on anyway. We, our church needs revival, man. You just come on. And I was like, oh, man, this sounds like you forgot totally. And like nobody knows we're coming. So, so all right, we're, we're headed that way. I mean, we were making a living on the road, y'all. So, so we, we head to New Mexico. And, and uh, you know, we go West Texas. It's like Mars. I think we were already out there. I think we were in Odessa and El Paso. And we headed out to this town in New Mexico. And, and, and so I knew, I, I knew there was a problem just from that phone call, but I didn't realize how bad it was. So as soon as we got there, uh, we, we set up. We had a travel trailer. Oh, my God. We, oh, so much I could say. But we, we, uh, we, we go to the church service, and they had prayer like at 6.30. Church started at 7. And so, so I don't know what night this was, but, like, they're praying. Everybody's praying. Just a bunch of people praying. Pastors. We had preacher chairs on the stage back in those days, like thrones. You know what I mean? Like, we need to get some more around here. Uh, but like I'm, you know, we all pray. And then at 7, I like sit in my throne chair as the visiting preacher. And uh, y'all know what I'm talking about when I say it was deacon chairs or whatever they are. So I'm sitting in my chair, you know. And uh, and the preacher, he's praying in his throne chair. And and uh, he just doesn't get up. It's like 7, 705, 710, 715. Whole audience, is they're all in their chairs. Everybody's staring. I'm looking at them, head nod, you know, look over at him. He's praying. He's getting after it. They're all sitting there, 7.30. And I'm kind of getting frustrated. I'm like, wow, man, like I'm carnal. Or, like, are you trying to make me look bad? I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I'm trying to figure this situation out. And, and then, then he started church. And after church, he tells me, he says, he's like, man, these people are awful. We're in a fight. These people are terrible. And, and he's telling me all the trouble that he's having with his church and, and, and just how bad it is. And I'm young. Jane, I'm, I'm a kid preacher and trying to figure these things out. And, and so I'm like, well, you know, if you, I heard Brother So-and-so say this. Maybe you ought to try this. I heard this in one of my journeys. And, 
And everything I said, he was like, no, that won't work. You don't understand, Donovan. These kids, man, these people, they're like blah, blah, blah. And so finally about a week into that, I I got a revelation in my young brain. And at dinner one night, he was telling me how awful it was. And I said, dude, I know exactly. I probably did say dude. I said, dude, I know exactly what you need to do. And he said, oh, man, what is it? His wife's like, tell us, man, what do you think? What do you feel? I said, here's what it is. You need to tender your resignation and leave this place. Then he starts, like, backpedaling. Oh, these people are really great. It's really a mess, you know. And I'm like, how was I to know with all the stuff you've told me? Here's the point. If all you tell your kids is how awful the leadership is and the church is and the deacons are and the people are, what? they're going to look at you one day and say, I've had a revelation. Why are we going to that church? We need to leave that place. I want to tell you, if you want world-changing kids, you build up the church. If you see a need, say, we're going to make a difference with that deficit that's going on in the church. We are called to help that church. We're part of this, and we're in it to win it. We're in it for the long haul. Come on now. Godly mothers teach their kids how to honor the ministry. Paul said, I am welcome in that house. I don't get that feeling. You know, they've been talking bad about me. They've been talking down to me. He said, she's been like a mother to me. I've been over there. I've eaten meals there, hung out with those people. They're good. Be sure and tell Rufus and his mom and my mom, hey, I can't wait to see you again. Isn't that awesome? Don't you want your kids to love the people of God in the local church? It's not an accident. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It's taught. There's an intentionality about it. Will you stand with me right now? Paul was welcome in their house, welcome in their world. A godly mother. She never quits. She invests and inspires. She honors Ministry, the leaders, it's so cool, man. And she had a Rufus. We got Rufuses. We got a lot of kids at LifePoint and more coming. Thank God. Hallelujah. Don't drink the water, you young couples. It is fantastic. But we need, we need fathers, yes, and mothers Mothers, your influence is, is like nobody else's. You know, nowadays, it's just policy. When a kid is born, they do the skin to skin. It, it's, it's healing. It's bonding. There's so many benefits that come from that. And, and, and it's just vital that spiritually, I could say this about the local church and new people, but let, let me just bring it down to family spiritually. You shouldn't just bond physically and emotionally, mentally, in your soulish realm. There should be a bonding spiritually. Listen, God moves in families. That's what I've realized. God moves in, in the, the dad and the mom and the kids. And no matter, we, we've got, you know, foster families and adopted kids and stepmoms and stepdads and blended families of all kinds. It's, it's all of that, all of that. Your role, what is your role? That role 
of a mother is so powerful. It is so powerful. And God is wanting us to lead spiritually. Just lead and make a difference in that respect. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the mothers that are in the house. I thank you for the blessing of the Lord that has given us moms and the role of motherhood. What a difference it's made in each of our lives and what an opportunity the mothers in this house have to make a difference, to really influence the destiny of a soul. It's their influence. There are Rufus's, there are babies, our babies that need us. In Jesus' name. Look at me for a moment. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.